wanted to share uh, another thing that came from my time with the Lord, just an encouragement, that something that we're all so aware of, but yet there's, you know, I was told, told when I first came to Christ that God's Word is like, you know, lifting up the most perfect diamond in the light and then just gradually turning it a tiny bit at a time and you would just see just amazing things that were new and different every time you turned it because, you know, the light shining in on something perfect is is just something to behold. And it's true about God's Word. Um, I was, I was, I've been in John chapter 14 and 15 this past week or more and I just find myself going back to it <laughs> over and over again and there was a reason and this morning the Lord revealed it to me and it was again something that we're all aware of but maybe just just something new that that he showed me in it that galvanized my understanding and because of that my faith that made it stronger um, if we could just start in, ch in verse 1 I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is in verse 15. 15. I'm sorry, okay. I did mention 14 and 15. Um, 15 chapter, or chapter um, 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And I want to just... Uh, refer to something in my phone and hopefully it's not going to turn this off. So this morning I was compelled to look up the word abide in the dictionary. And praise God. Um, so I was compelled to look this up and you know when I first opened it the very first the very first definition, the verb, hit me, and it was much like I expected it to be. It says, accept or act in accordance with a rule, a decision, or recommendation. And so, you know, we think of abiding in Christ, you know, oftentimes like obeying Christ, you know, and that's, that's certainly part of abiding in Christ. But as I read on, I came to the very bottom of the definition and something, you know, sort of caught my eye because it said archaic, which sort of means sort of 
in the past and sort of maybe not not currently the the definition more of an old time definition and that really got my attention so i read it and it simply said live or dwell and those are passive terms they're not they're not like the first one and it occurred to me as you know as i read this this uh section again where it says jesus said in verse three you are already clean because of the word that i have spoken to you and then the next word is abide in me and i in you and abiding in the vine is passive you just you just let Jesus flow through you and feed you and nourish you. And it, and it caused me to remember a verse that, that is, was another blessing to me out of um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. And it says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for the died for them and rose again and there's that word live which you know live it can, i mean it can be a verb you know and it can be more less than i mean it can be more than just passive but it's it in in the, in this sense it's passive it's the vine doesn't work the vine doesn't make itself produce fruit. The fruit comes from what Jesus feeds into it. And it just was such an eye-opener for me to realize that so often when we, first off, stray away and, not, and don't spend the, the time in, in the Word, it's no wonder that we, you know, lose touch with Him and we don't feel secure and we feel like we're starting to wither and in addition to that we oftentimes sin because when we're not having the word of god just flowing through us and abiding in us we tend to to sin you know so it just it just opened my eyes to the fact that so often because we have this nature where when we sin we feel bad we when we should and we want to get right with God but we feel like sometimes we have to do something to get right with God and what he asks is just to admit that what we did was wrong and ask his forgiveness and he forgives and we're made right with him and once again we can just rest and 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 be in the vine and and allow him to produce fruit in us because his love will compel us it's not us you know, being the engine. It's him being the engine. And, you know, for me, I realized that so often without knowing it, I put the cart before the horse. You know, I, I, I forget that I have to first abide in him and let him abide in me, a, a passive thing, so that he can fill me and then compel me to go and to do you know, uh, to for his good pleasure, the things that he has planned for me, or for all of us, you know. And so that word abide, you know, they say it's an archaic 
uh, definition that says live or dwell, but it is it, 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 it may be for the for the world, but it is a most current term for those of us who who serve and love the Lord. So I just want to encourage everybody today. You know, as we as we are in our carnal man where we where we need to eat regularly you know our body tells us it's getting weak we're getting a headache we're we're whatever it is it's telling us we don't find it work to eat i mean most of i don't think any of us we actually enjoy eating right well the word of god is our food jesus said you know to satan when he was being you know uh challenged by him that that you know, it's the word of God. And he told his uh, um, disciples that I have food that you don't know about. You know, that that food is coming from the vine. It is the, it is what he's, you know, sending through, injecting into us. And if we don't hunger and thirst for it every day, like we do for normal food, we're going to get weak and we're going to not, you know, we're not going to be where we want to be. And then, you know, we, we've cease you know being able to have him produce fruit in us and like you know he says at the end he said if you abide in me and my word abides in you you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you by this my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples you know our our heart's desire should be crying out to god every day you know, cause me to bear fruit to your glory, because you are worthy, you know, and all that you have done, this this great love that you have shown forth to us, all that you have done is so worthy of us producing fruit for you, but it's your work to do that and help us to, to be in that position where we're able to, you know, rest in you and allow you to do and will for your good pleasure in us, so... <clears throat> so, uh, if you could see this from here, you probably can't, but the word at the top of the page is abide. And that's uh, also what Dave, God should, uh, we didn't discuss this, it's just uh, God put us both on the same wavelength this morning. And so this morning, <clears throat> that John 15 was also on the list. I was actually going to look up the definition from the dictionary, and I forgot to, and Dave had it, so works out fine. Uh, <clears throat> if you uh, look at John 15, I counted six times, if I counted right, six times it uses the word abide. You know, Jesus is not the first, you know, in, in the Gospel of John, is not the first time we read about the word abide. In the Old Testament book of Psalms, for example, it says in uh, chapter 61, verse 4, it says, uh, I will abide in your tabernacle. David said, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. And I will trust in the shelter of your wings. In chapter 91 of Psalms, Psalm 91, he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, there's also an English word called abode. Abode 
is a place like uh, we talk about a humble abode, a humble house, a place where you live, a place where you stay. And this is a place. You know, this secret place of the Most High, abiding with Him. You know, under it, it talks about the uh, in the, both of these, it talks about the shelter of the wings. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, You are my refuge, my fortress, and God I will trust. In You I will put my trust. You see that this is a place where we don't physically dwell. This is talking about spiritual things. It's talking about where our heart is. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. We were singing one's uh, hymn. There is this place where we rest, where we're trusting God. We're abiding in the vine, in the shadow of the Almighty. It is a place of rest. It's a place of, of a for, it's a fortress. The other one is Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As we're, This begins to give us some indication as to how, how it is that we abide in Christ. By hearing His Word and trusting it. Trusting what he says, the integrity. This is God's word, the integrity of this. And we can make all the excuses in the world for compromise. For saying, yeah, I know that God's word says this, but... Or, you know, I know I should be spending more time in fellowship with God, but I know I should be devoted to the word of God, like it says in the book of Acts, but and devoted to prayer, and devoted to fellowship, and all these things. But, you see, it's the deception. Abiding in this place is trusting in this person and the way he's laid out for us in his word. He stands by his word. He honors his word, it says, above his own name. Above all of his name, he honors his word. And so that's what Dave mentioned with the scripture. It says, abiding in his word. God has laid it out for us. And so, people apply logic and common sense and scholarship and human reason to the word of God and it lets the air out of the tires spiritually speaking it deflates our trust in God this is the words of the spirit when Jesus spoke it was the words the father gave him our creator our God the creator of the universe we need to trust what he says and apply it and embrace it in our hearts and apply it. And we embrace the person of God. 
says we're like a mountain that can't be moved. Can't be moved. People fear falling away and, and falling backwards and backsliding, all those things. You trust God. You put your trust in Him and in His Word. Jesus says, He who follows me will not be in darkness. You know, when Jesus began calling people to the ministry, He began by saying, follow me. Follow, follow, follow. But then He says, abide. Stay, live, remain. You follow me now, come come with me. Stay with me. Don't, don't back away from this. Because this is it. This is the real life. This is the abundant life that Jesus talked about. <laughs> I have an assistant here. <laughs> He who dwells, dwell means live, means abide. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now God gives us an offer of a relationship with Him. So Jesus says, where I am there, my servant will be also. Jesus said in in John 14 that Dave was referring to, he says, if you continue in my word, if you abide in me, my Father and I will come and live with you. Him coming and living in us, and us living in Him. And he says, stay there. Stay in this place. This is a place to dwell at. To live at a, see, a place for our heart, a position of our heart, a place that our heart should be. <clears throat> so, as we go through the Gospel of John, chapter 8, You see in verse 12 that Jesus talks about following him. You won't be in darkness, but have the light of life. But then he says in verse 30, he began to speak to those who believe in him. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You're not setting yourself free. He says, if you continue in his word. He spoke this to those who believe. He's speaking this to us who believe. Continue, or abide, remain, live in my word. Choose, choose all the definitions, any one of the above, all of the above. But this is a a position and a place that our heart must be it, must stay it. Because when we drift from that position, that's when we begin to struggle. And so, he talks about the truth setting us free, making us free. 
And of course, these Jews were not slaves, so they said, well, what do you mean make us free? In verse 34, Jesus answers, Surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a servant or a slave of sin. And the slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The word indeed, free indeed, means free for real. For sure. Free for sure. No doubt about it. And he talks about being a son. Becoming one of God's children. As many as receive him, to, to them he gives the power, the right, the authority to become the children of God. The sons and daughters of God. But he says whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Well, we've all sinned. That's why we need Christ. We talked about that earlier. We need him to cleanse us and to empower us into this new life. This is a new way of life that the world cannot receive. But we who believe this message and continue in this message, there is liberty, freedom for us who are in Christ. This, this place that, we, that he tells us to abide in is a place of freedom. Not bound in sin. Not bound in fear. Not full of anxiety. Not full of worry. Not full of the thorns of this life. The heart isn't in any of those places. They're in Him. And that's why Jesus says, without abiding in Him, we can't do anything. So what does He mean when He says you can't do anything? You can't live a Christian life without Him. But we can try. I mean, it's it's been done for 2,000 years. Christian religion. Yes, it's been done many a time by many a person. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus talked about. The abundant life Jesus talked about is this place. This place that our heart is in. Where we're trusting in Him. We're remaining in Him. We're remaining in the vine. And He is empowering us. In 1 John chapter 2 it says this, Those who profess that they abide in Him should walk as He walks. That's right, live like Jesus. Now go ahead. Try to do that without abiding in the vine. Then you begin to understand the words that Jesus said, Without me you can do nothing. We cannot walk the way Jesus did. without abiding in Him. And we can profess we're abiding in Him, but we can have, but we only have a plastic version of what it means of living like Jesus. A fake, an imposter version. Abiding in Him. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free Indeed, for real. Freedom, physical, 
deliverance from all bondage to sin of the human nature, deliverance, deliverance from all the darkness, freedom from darkness, freedom for all the corruption of this world in our hearts. Free to be able to control our sinful human nature in our bodies. And the next one, um, we will go to First John chapter two. I was just referring to. Beginning in verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk just as he walked, exactly as he walked. And of course, we know that only comes through being empowered by him, through abiding in him. Now it gets very strong words here. It says if we say we know him and we don't obey him, we're, we're a liar. Straight out. A liar. Oh, that's harsh. That's strong. It's the word of God. So, what's this, what's why is it such a stern word here and everything? Well, it's confronting hypocrisy. It's con, it's confronting playing games with God. Because everything we need for life and godliness, we receive in Christ, including the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. So, if we say we're being led by the Spirit, but walking in the flesh, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. Maybe we're trying to deceive others into that way, too. Saying, wow, look at me, you know? No. God says no. This is very confrontational. And very exposing. And it confronts us, and it says... In verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. There are certain things that are said in the New Testament that are evidence that we are in him. We are in Christ. That we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. John, uh, John 15, where Dave read, says, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Fruit of the Spirit in our life. It says here that we keep his word. Keep it doesn't just mean keep it in our, in the, in our memory. It doesn't mean just storing it in our heart. It means we're applying it to our life. We're keeping his word. 
we're keeping the way he's commanded us. It's evidence. In John chapter 10, in the parable of the, the good shepherd, Jesus said, My sheep hear me, know my voice, and I know them, and they know my voice, and they follow me, and another they will not follow. It's evidence. It's evidence we're following God's lead. The leading of the Holy Spirit is fruit. It's the direction we're traveling. Now, if we fall down in our travel, there's a decision to make. Are we going to get up and repent and forsake it? And continue on? Continue to follow Christ? Continue go back to abiding in Him? Or we could become discouraged and throw up our hands and go the other way? Or just, you know, sit there on the ground where we tripped. And so, he who says he abides in Christ, in him, ought also himself to walk just as Jesus walked. Peter put it another way. Jesus left us a pattern that we should walk in his footsteps. And abiding in Christ Dwelling in that place in our hearts leads to that direction in life. Leads to that kind of fruit. Abiding in our hearts. Embracing the Word of God in our hearts. In verse 10 it says, He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Just another evidence that we're abiding in Christ. That the fruit of the Spirit, love is fruit of the Spirit. That that if we are walking in the Spirit, abiding in Christ, the vine is flowing through us. Life is flowing through us. And if there's evidence of it in our life. I remember one brother I used to go into the, uh, the, the, the prison with in Eagleville uh, to, to have Bible study in there. He told the, he, you know, he to, was talking to the inmates about how if we profess to be Christians that we need to be fruit inspectors uh, to see what kind of fruit we're bearing. And that's what it's talking about here. There's evidence in our life now, when it says we should walk as Jesus walked, are we going to walk to the height of perfection of Jesus? What we know is that is our goal. That's the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading us, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to live like Jesus did, and to speak, and to act, and to pray. Like Jesus. To have fellowship with God, the Father, like Jesus, his Son. In John, in the Gospel of John, where Jesus is praying to the Father, he's saying, I and you, you and me, and they and me, and you and them. In Ephesians chapter 5, 
The Apostle Paul talks about a similar, the example of marriage, where two become one. And you stay together. You don't separate from one another. You stay together. And you live together in the same place. And so, you see in that what God, that figure, what God is talking about. What Jesus spoke about. What the apostles spoke about. And you see the effect that it had from the day of Pentecost forward. That there was a change amongst the apostles. Peter and the other apostles. Yes, there was boldness. But there was a devotion. It says, and they devoted themselves to fellowship with one another. Fellowship with God. Prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. To the breaking of bread. And the, and, the, and the apostles' teaching. The Word of God. A devotion to those things. Now there's other things in life, practical things, that we need to be devoted to. But then there's spiritual things. And unfortunately, we can easily, just by coasting a little, have our priorities backwards. Or practical things take pra- take priority over spiritual devotion. Now, some of the practical things are part of, you know, our, our daily business can be is part of that too. Part of serving God. But you have to understand that. Being devoted to, to the things that are mentioned there are just as important. It's part of the Word of God also. It's just like taking care of business. You know, providing for a family. Keeping of a home. All the practical things of life. The work of the ministry. So many can be doing, quote, the work of the ministry... Without walking in Jesus' footsteps. Without being devoted to prayer. Andrew Murray talks about how he went to a a conference that he was the speaker at. This famous preacher. He was a speaker there. And he asked for a show of hands at the beginning beginning of the meeting. And it it was a... a minister come, all pastors from different churches, all over. And I believe it was in Chicago. He traveled to the United States and he was in the city of Chicago. And he asked them for a raise of hands. He said, how many of you brothers spend an hour a day in prayer? He said, there wasn't one hand that went up. I said, well, how about a half hour? Fifteen minutes, one hand went up. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. And with as, and talking to them, and he knew what the problem was, that there were so much responsibilities 
you know, as soon as they get up, they had all these, you know, things to do as far as, like, uh, counseling and, you know, spiritual counseling, marriage counseling, this counseling, preparing for sermons and baptisms and, you know, everything else and visitation and blah, blah, blah. And he said there just wasn't enough. And they just, there was the same thing over and over again. And we can do that with ministry work. We can do that with practical things. We can make, we can fall into the deception. Abiding in Christ is uh, being devoted to His Word and being devoted to Him. Being devoted to having a relationship with Him. Abiding in Him. Living with Him. Remaining in Him. Because the quote work of the ministry isn't going to be very ministering for not abiding in Him. I mean, we can go through the motions, it might look like we're doing it, but it's going to fall short of God's, of God's calling. To walk as Jesus walked. You see Jesus' walk? You see He's spending, He had time. So, well, He didn't have any children. <laughs> he had 12 disciples that were with Him all the time. He had crowds following him up mountains. Everywhere he went, he had crowds following him. He went in a house. He withdrew himself and went in somebody's house, and they, they followed him to the house. They opened the roof and let a crippled man down. There was, sometimes he had, to make, he had to make the time by going away places, find places of refuge, and we can too. A basement, a tool shed, I don't know, a park. Somewhere of seclusion. Make the time to abide in Christ. To be with Him. Verse 24, 1 John 2, 24. <clears throat> Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just that it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Now this says something very important here. That's key to understanding what Jesus has been telling us. He talks about an anointing. 
Anointing from the Holy Spirit. He's, we, we receive a, a, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He says, if He remains in you, you do not need anyone to teach you. doesn't mean that no one can teach you, but you can't be teachable. He said, you don't need it. The Holy Spirit is our teacher that He gives us. Jesus said He will guide us into all truth. He's referred to as a teacher, a comforter, a guide, a helper. Following the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. It's the way it says in Galatians 5. He says the same, the, the Holy Spirit, the same anointing of the Holy Spirit teaches us concerning all this, these things. And is true, and is not a lie, and just as he taught you, you will abide in him. Are we going to resist the Holy Spirit? Are we going to let him teach us? Are we going to follow his leading? Jesus gets really down to the to the foundation of our, our spirit, of our heart. Are we going to be stubborn and proud and resist the Spirit of God? Are we going to grieve the Spirit of God? Are we going to embrace what He's saying and follow His lead? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Our teacher, our guide, that we receive through faith in Christ. So that we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus. last one I have is in 1st John chapter 4 <clears throat> beginning in verse 10 and this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins Brothers, if God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So you just can't get away from this word abide, can you? It's all over the place. And it says that His love has been perfected in us. Walk in the new man, it says in Ephesians 4, that's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. 
God has given us a new nature. It's like Him. Walk in the new man that is created after God. Peter says we have become partakers in Christ. We become partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature means God's nature. We receive the nature of God. In Ephesians 4, Paul refers to it as the new man. He says walk in the new man that's created after God. We can stop making excuses for not doing, for not walking the way Jesus walked. But walk in the way the Holy Spirit is leading. The new man. Walk in this nature He's given us. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in. And this is a great thing. A great privilege. Not a burden. Not bondage. Freedom. If you abide in my word, Jesus said, you'll be set free. You'll know the truth. And the truth of the matter is, this is real freedom. This is freedom from darkness, from the devil. Deliverance and power over temptation. Self-control. Sound mind. Not, not insanity. Not craziness. Before I, before I came to the Lord, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I was fighting for my sanity. And there was reasons why. But he gave me a sound mind. And that sound mind has never departed from me. I found that stability, that soundness of mind, that sanity, that I, the stability that I now have, is from Christ. We can have all the things that we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus through abiding in Him. That's where I'm going to stop. Brother. Dan, if you want to... Dave, if you want to yeah. continue on that? Right. Um, it's, a, it's a word that... Well, I guess... Uh, for me, abide was just... It meant stay with Him. That's how I, that's how it spoke to my heart. Mm -hmm. Just stay with Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's something that uh, when we were, we were together Friday evening, there's a brother in Delaware that wants to have fellowship with us. Mm -hmm. And of course it was us three and him. And uh, <clears throat> there was a word that uh, God gave me and uh, I just shared it. It was in uh, Micah chapter uh, 6, verse 8. <clears throat> it says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And I said, well, it sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Sounds like it should be pretty easy. But there's something, something we're not thinking about when we look at it that way. We have an enemy. 
And that enemy has been working ever since God created man. And, uh, and my thought was like this, that this is what God gave me, is that from the time that Adam and Eve fell until the time Jesus came into the world, there was none, although tr trying as they could, to be completely in God, and like David has many good words, Proverbs has many good words, and yet even we have we can read about Moses in his life, Abraham in his life, but there was none who was able to completely avoid doing their own will, completely avoid it. Always, like Jesus, I always do the Father's will. So, what it means to me, the importance of abiding in Christ is that He has overcome my enemy. He has opened up a way for me, and I can't go that way without abiding in Him. He said, uh, without me, He could do nothing. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Because he has, you could say, he has the devil by the neck. And he can't do nothing to me if I am in Christ. That's, that's the whole issue. Amen. And uh, so he has conquered my enemy. And I can't stand, I'm not safe out here without Christ because the enemy is still loose. And, and to me, that, that is the whole issue. Mm -hmm. Abide in me, and without me you can do nothing. And, and Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But no, no other way. There's no other way. Christ is the only one. I can't say... Uh, like a brother, uh, I was in, in Ghana, Africa, and there was this brother who came and picked me up at the airport. And uh, then he started talking about this preacher and, and uh, um, oh, another part of Africa. Um, anyhow, he said, that man is my role model. Well, I, I thought, boy, that's too bad. Jesus is mine, <laughs> but more more than my role model, he is my Lord, he is my one who fights the battle for me when I, you know, I'm helpless, but if I'm in him, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. If I'm not in him, I'm not safe. Yeah. I'll do my own will. I'll, I, you know, that's what the whole issue has been from the time of the, uh, of the creation until now. Mm -hmm. is that there is no way uh, man can manage to live a good life in every respect without abiding in Jesus. There is no mm -hmm. other power available to help me to be a perfect in my love toward all people like I'm supposed to be. And, and we see that, Dorothy and I, we see that in our, uh, we talk about things that people do and and behave, and, and the next thing you know, something rises up in you, and if you don't, if you don't call on Jesus to help you, 
you'll be thinking thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking. That's right. So it's it's an unsafe place Mm -hmm. not in Jesus, Mm -hmm. to not be in Jesus. His spirit has to be working, working, working. And it says in Galatians chapter 5, if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill, we will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we walk in the spirit, that's the same thing as abiding in him. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's another terminology, but that's right. walking that's in right. the spirit is the same as abiding in him. Yeah. Staying in him. Staying with him. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I just thank God for the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, and, and that makes this verse uh, not quite so easy right. to do justly, to walk humbly with thy God. But if I abide in him, I have, I have right. someone who guides my thoughts, and gives me power and helps me to do the right thing. That's right. It says with with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Yeah, with God. It's with Him, you know, and His strength, His power through us. But that verse that um, I just wanted to briefly mention one thing that also struck me this morning. I didn't remember to to share was in John 15 where He says that my you are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you and because of the word I have spoken to you, you know, and we have to take stock in what that means. I mean, the work that was done was done by him and, and his word is alive. And if we're feasting on his word and abiding in the vine and receiving that sap that comes through and, and flourish, it causes us to flourish. Then you know, we're going to be able to, you know, see the fruit in our lives that does bring glory to God because it's, again, it's a work of him. So I, I, I was listening to a, a guy who I respect um, a bunch, and he, he said that, and it, it made me think, because Psalm 119 is such an amazing, you know, chapter in, in, in the Bible, a book in the Bible. Um, really, it's the longest of the of all the writings of the Bible. But throughout it, David, you know, you'll see him, you know, talking about God's attributes and 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 the things that are pleasing to God. And and right after it, over and over and over again, he offers up a prayer, asking God to cause what he just read to become part of him. You know, cause me to do these things, make me to do, do those things. And so it just occurred to me that I haven't, I, I do that sometimes when I read the Bible, but I want to make that a practice every day. I want to make it a practice every single day that I, that I cry out to God. You know, John 15 is a perfect example. I mean, you know, the, the life is through the vine. The love is through the vine. The, the fruit is through the vine. It is all God who affords everything that we need. We, we, we can do nothing apart from him. So we should be asking him as we read his word and we see these things. We should be asking him to make them, make them manifest in us. You know, crying out to bring glory to him. 
is something that he will certainly answer, you know, and, and it will cause us to grow in him, uh, you know, every time that we do. Let me just 